Well, hi, folks. This is Jack Spearco with another edition of the Survival Podcast. As always, one man's view of the changing world, the changing times, and the things we can all do to live a better life if times get tough or even if they don't. Today is Wednesday, June 26, 2022. This is episode 3024 of the Survival Podcast, and it is interview day. And I have Jason Bassler um, on today. He is... Best known for his work with uh, the Free Thought, the Free Thought Project, uh, which has been around for a very long time, and it comes from a very libertarian anarcho uh, bent. He's also very well known for uh, his work through uh, on social media with uh, the brand Police the Police, exposing abuses of law enforcement throughout the country. I know some of you don't like to hear that, but. You know, Jason and his folks that do police to police, they don't go out and make stuff up about the police. They report on what actually happens. And if you are pro law enforcement, you should be anti bad law enforcement. So we're not going to make any apologies for, you know, shedding light on the truth here. However, shedding light on the truth, light on the truth increasingly and especially today has been highly subject to censorship, as we all know. In fact, you're about to hear me drop in with Jason on a live stream, and we will not be live streaming on YouTube. Why not? Because I'm in YouTube jail right now, because on Monday I dared to defy the ministry of truth and bring you 20 facts about COVID. Not 20 things I think about COVID. I didn't even tell you really my opinion in that episode. No, I reported what has been reported and what has been said by the people in power. I reported things that Fauci himself admitted to. I reported things that came out of congressional hearings. I reported things that were written in filings to the SEC from Moderna. I sourced every claim I made, and yet I got the YouTube spank, in which, in which I said yesterday I'm kind of proud of it, because they silence you when they can't, when they can't debate you. There's all kinds of lunatic nonsense all over YouTube and social media. It never gets censored. There's conmen conning people out of money. They never censor that. But when you bring hard facts and truth that are uncomfortable to the establishment, to the oligarchy, they take your stuff down or they do what they did to, to Jason in one instance and completely take away huge groups that you've built, destroying communities that, that have you know hundreds of thousands of people in them that people have started to earn a living on as well. A reputable living, no doubt. And that's that's what we're actually going to talk about today. I'm not bringing this up because i still got a chip on my shoulder. I'm angry or nothing. I'm bringing it up because it's ironic that I have Jason on today specifically to talk about censorship, social media, and solutions to the problems with censorship while I'm actively being censored. That's why I'm bringing it up again, because I feel bad. Like I said yesterday, my, the only thing that really bothers me about being spanked off YouTube for a week, right, is the fact that I'll have Jason on today, and he doesn't get exposure to my YouTube audience. That's it, really. And then it's a little bit harder to to you know talk back and forth with y'all. You guys also know I hate Facebook. I mean, I loathe Facebook. I think they're actually worse than YouTube and Twitter. I think they are the ultimate in censorship and shadow banning, because that's their approach to me there. But they shadow banned me. They didn't ban ban me. So I would tell you, like, 
if you ever can't see me on YouTube and you want to be able to view a live stream, if you personally still use Facebook, that would be a good place to go because it does feed into StreamYard, and I can see your comments and interact with you. Now, if you're listening to this right now, you missed this stream. And the video is still up, and obviously you're listening to the audio so all as well. Just kind of advice for the rest of this week until I get out of uh, the YouTube prison. Anyway, before I bring Jason on to talk about all this stuff, let's go ahead and hear from our two sponsors of the day. Sponsor day number one today is KnifeKits.com. I just did a whole show yesterday about things you can do to improve your resilience, and skill set development was a big part of it. Learning to make knives is a skill, but it also involves multiple other skills. How to use uh, hand tools, how to do final fit and finish, how to maybe make a sheath, how to sharpen. Right, Those are all individual skills that go into a larger skill of knife making. And it can turn into a side hustle or a cool hobby or a business or just a way for you and your kiddos to learn together and make some family heirlooms. Check them out today at KnifeKits.com. They have been a great sponsor almost since the very beginning. Again, KnifeKits.com. And it's not a huge discount. They do do a discount for members of the MSB. Next up today, the Wellsteading Podcast and John Pugliano. John has been... You know, one of the, I guess I would call him one of the MVPs of the TSP community for over a decade. He's an amazing man. He has really switched on when it comes to the world of investing and investment management and economics and trends. And he takes all of that information and he puts it into concise, short, easy to listen to podcasts that are released a few times a week on the Wealthsteading Podcast, which you can find at Wealthsteading.com. John is a fantastic investment manager as well. Uh, you can learn more about him, again, at his website, Wealthsteading.com. And if you have questions for John you want to hear answered right here, remember he is a member of our expert council as well. So you can send questions to me, TSPC expert in the subject line, and put my question is for expert council member John Pugliano, and here's what the question is, or any of our expert council members as well. And if you have a question for the council you're not sure, Send it in. I'll figure it out and match it up. With that, let's uh, get on with uh, with Jason Bassler from the Free Thought Project and Police the Police. And this is really uh, gratifying for me to be able to talk to Jason. I was on his podcast about a month and a half ago. I have watched his work for a long time. Uh, they do a great job of exposing things. I'll tell you flat out, there's things that I see that they post his opinion that I disagree with. But on, on, in the end, we are on the same side, and that is more liberty for everyone and more account, accountability for those who have power and abuse it. With that, let's drop into the live stream now. And with that, we are live, and I want to welcome our guest today, Jason Bassler from uh, the, Free, the Free Thought Project and Police the Police. Jason, thanks for joining us today, man. Thanks so much, Jack. Yeah, I really uh, had a good time when you were on our podcast. We started to talk a little uh, social media, so felt like it was time for us to put our heads together and kind of get through this. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it is something you definitely have experience at being on the wrong end of, and, and I've, I've had some recently. Um, just this week, as I was telling you before we started, uh, I got – slammed into uh, YouTube jail. Everybody talks about Facebook jail, but uh, Facebook's been content to shadow ban me, and uh, YouTube just threw me into the YouTube clink for a week. Uh, it's uh, I've, I've been there many times before, but I, I tend to stay, you know, boy, according to the Ministry of Truth, uh, long enough that they take my strikes down, so I haven't actually had my whole channel come down yet. Uh, but I think this is like the fourth time I've been I've been spanked. And it was just for telling the truth, you know, and I know you didn't you lose like a huge community on Facebook. 
Indeed. Yeah. It's, it's still a little painful to talk about, but, uh, yeah, I'm still a little bitter about it. Uh, and let's see, October 2018, we lost nearly 6 million fans, uh, to both Facebook and Twitter on the same day. So, uh, it, yeah, it was Facebook, but it happened to be Twitter too, uh, within hours of each other. They took down both of our pages, uh, both of our accounts. Uh, of course, there was a handful of other pages that we also had. We were uh, admins and moderators on. Uh, all of them were wiped off, completely taken down by uh, the, the you know mainstream social media platforms. And you know, to me, it's like, yeah, you know, we, we always joke around about being conspiracy theorists, and you know, there's collusion here with big tech. But I mean, this seems like it's proof to me. You know, it's the same day within hours of each other, they were taken down. So yeah, I, I certainly uh, could feel your pain, brother. I know how that goes. Yeah, and I mean, you were part of like a mass purging. Like it didn't just happen to you guys. All about the same time, it happened to multiple high-profile sites that, of course, they labeled as disinformation, conspiracy theory, et cetera. And one of the things I've always found interesting is, you know, we were talking about how there is no real appeals process. With me recently, when they threw me off YouTube for a week and said, would you like to appeal? I clicked the thing and said, yes. said, you have appealed. And then an hour later, it says you have been denied. That's not, An appeal would be you tell me what you think was misinformation, and I'll, I'll show you why it isn't. Um, like there's just, there's no real recourse at all of this. Like, and they won't even really say what the rules are when they say it's disinformation. Well, what's disinformation and why can't, why won't anybody actually debate in like some sort of a rigorous academic setting, like an organized professional debate, these claims, because I'm willing to stand up and back everything that I say. Yeah, no, you bring up a great point, Jack. And, you know, I've long said that, like, why don't we have some type of public forum where, you know, these, quote, health experts are going out there and just, you know, dis- dismissing all this, quote, misinformation? You know, why don't they bring forth the facts? Why don't they actually uh, have a conversation with, this, you know, their experts and I guess, you know, our fringe experts, you know, these some of these doctors that have been kicked off of social media. So, you know, you make a great point. You know, I think that would clear the air. That would actually uh provide an area of transparency where people could actually see like, okay, this is where, you know, the conspiracy theorists have it wrong. They maybe they got the statistics wrong or they misallocated some type of context or something. And then, you know, of course these quote authorities and experts could actually, uh, you know, clear the air once again, just try to try to, you know, make these things uh, as transparent as possible. So I don't think that's really happening right now. And, And to your point about the appeals, I mean, realistically, right? Like, if they were going to have some type of arbitration process, shouldn't there be some kind of third party moderator who's actually the arbiter here and actually like hears both sides? I mean, the idea that, you know, you have to appeal to these these uh, these big tech companies, which, you know, they admit all the time they don't have the time or resources to actually go through the process of, you know, looking through our, our user profiles and finding the actual information that is correct or isn't incorrect. It's all done through algorithms. So they could admit that, but then they actually expect us to believe that there's some type of fair uh, arbitration process with the appeals. You know, it's just insane. And if I could keep rambling here, you know, one other thing that drives me crazy is these fact checkers, right? These are, quote, third party arbitrator fact checkers, you know, through uh, Facebook, Twitter, uh, Instagram. But these are also media companies. These are also publishers. And of course, they're, you know, totally out of our league, right? We're just podcasters on the Internet. But they have the ability to make or break smaller companies. They're, they're competitors to a certain extent, like us. And it's, to me, it's just absolutely crazy because, yeah, according to their actual uh, process, when you do ha- have a fact check, 
uh, placed on one of your articles or some of your content, you're actually supposed to appeal to these third party fact checkers as if they're going to admit that they're wrong, right? Like, do they have sure. any incentive to admit that they're wrong? It makes them look bad. And then, of course, we're going to dunk on them once they do that. So to me, the whole system is just totally half-assed backwards, you know, and it, it doesn't make any sense. No, it doesn't. And it's it's gotten to the point where it's almost comical at this point. Like, I, you know, and I don't mind when I put some content up and they put their little thing about see the CDC for the latest information or whatever, you know, may not be true. As long as they leave it there. Right. I don't care if someone provides counter information and I, and I'm happy to say, well, this is where your counter information is wrong. What I have a problem with is, is the pure censorship and the other half of the equation. We as creators often talk about our right to speak. But what I'm actually more concerned about is the right of other people to hear what we have to say and the right of other people to hear what people that disagree with me have to say. There's two sides to what's being violated with this censorship. And it's it's an ongoing problem. And, and there are people, especially in the libertarian world, that say, well, they're private companies. They can right. do whatever they want. Well, if they were private companies that operated as completely private companies that didn't get government subsidies, that did not work in consort with government, that did not take direction for government, did not supply data to government. If all that was true, I would be like, they suck, they're scum, you shouldn't do it. But yes, they have a right to do it. But that's not the case. They do work with government. They do take direction from government. They do feed information to government. They do align with one side of the other, you know, one side of the dichotomy of government. They certainly align with the liberals in government. So they're not private companies and they have received hundreds of millions of dollars of our tax money in different subsidies in different situations. And I'm not just talking about tax breaks. I'm talking about direct, here's money to go do a thing, right? So like, no, you're not a private company at that point. You're, you're a fascist organization is what you are. And I know people get triggered when they hear the word fascist, but that's the actual literal definition of fascism as a system of economic control. Yeah, there's certainly a conflict of interest there. And the fact that government is so interconnected with big tech, I mean, it, it should raise a red flag, right? I mean, there's something seriously nefarious about that. And, you know, I guess we should just call a spade a spade. I mean, they're using these big tech companies as a proxy to limit our speech, to limit our, our voices in this public square, which is, you know, social media in 2022. So, um, yeah, to me, it, it's uh, it should be raving, waving red flags in the minds of all Americans, except for the convenience factor. You know, there's been uh, years now that 15, about 15 years that Facebook's been around now. So people are invested, you know, they have all their pictures of their kids, their family, uh, everything uploaded onto Facebook. So unfortunately, a lot of people, even anarchists, are still having the problem with, uh, you know, just completely disconnecting from these sites. And, you know, I'll be upfront about it. Like, yeah, we're still the Free Thought Project, Police to Police. We're still on Facebook. Unfortunately, they're still the biggest social media platform on the Internet by far. Yep. So, uh, you know, I, I certainly commend you. I know you try to steer away from uh, these big tech platforms as much as you can. You have a you have a huge audience, a very um audience that's very much committed to, to your content, you know, so that certainly helps. Uh, we're still kind of trying to fight the, the battle over there. And as much as I, I really appreciate some of the smaller uh, social media platforms like Float, like MeWe, like Minds, I really feel like the battleground for the information war is on Facebook, is on Twitter. That's where the normies are. These are where the conversations are happening. Whereas uh, Float, MeWe, Minds, some of these smaller ones, is more like the barracks, right? That's kind of where we go to you know, 
catch up on certain information with like minds. And I guess to a certain extent, you could even call them an echo chamber. But, you know, I'm not necessarily against the, the idea of what an echo chamber is. Uh, I could see the detriment. I could see how it can be like a negative influence on society. But I also think that there are places that we need to be able to recuperate, to share ideas, to talk about philosophy, strategy, all those different things. So, um, yeah, you know, it, it Facebook is a, is a totally complete mess. Uh, to more on your point there, too, we can't forget about the revolving door with government. You know, I mean, we have we've seen uh, for, you know, at least 10 years now, people from the highest echelons of government, uh, you know, quitting their job or even staying and keeping their job and working with Facebook and different uh, parts of their company. Um, and when we've we've listed in depth, I think we've covered at least twice or two or three times now um, this revolving door with Facebook. Uh, and, and some of these people, you know, they're they're not on our team. They're not for the people, right? Like they're actually specifically trying to limit our speech uh, and trying to give more corporate control. So it, it doesn't uh, bode well for the American people. And, you know, I, I'm sure we'll talk more about the, the solutions and the other social yeah. media platforms. But, um, you know, I think the best we could do right now is steer people away from these big tech platforms. I agree. I agree. And, you know, we're on Facebook right now because I can stream there without going there. And I'll say it hasn't it hasn't come without cost that I walked away from Facebook. Um, I don't know that it matters now. At this point, I'm pretty sure I'm shadow banned because I have like 15,000 followers. I've got a page with 120,000 subscribers and I put something out and 55 people see it. Yeah. So at that point, what's the point? Like it's, it's pushing a string, right? Um, yeah. I'll use it because it does get the content up and I can do it easily. But yeah, I'm with you. There is a place for, you know, kind of staying and fighting. I think that, um, and I have audience members like, I'd like to leave, but you know, I make money in Facebook marketplace or whatever. I'm like, I'm not going to begrudge you that. Like if you're making money there, then make yeah. money there. But I definitely check out the, the, the alternative uh, media because it won't become a competitor until enough of us do and, yep. and, and we build it up. And there's some competitors coming along that have some baggage with them. Gab is, is actually hugely successful at this point. It's also full of like freaking Nazis and racists, unfortunately. Yeah. But I, you know, I, I, I can respect Andrew Gorba when he says, you know, either you have free speech or you don't, right? Sure. At least you know what you're dealing with and it's really easy to block a Nazi. I have no, no qualms about doing it. And then I know the person I'm dealing with. Um, right. I don't want I don't want the government to shut down a restaurant because racists on it, but it's fine with me if everybody finds out if it's true, right? And sure. and decides I don't want to eat there and they go out of business. I, I think that's how society should run voluntary. But tell us about your organization. I want to make sure we talk about Free Thought Project, Police, Police, and anything else you're involved with here. Sure, brother. Yeah, man. So um, you know we've uh, we've been in the game for about ten years now. Started this in uh, 2013, the Free Thought Project. Uh, in 2012, we, I started personally by myself, police the police. Um, around 2011, uh, I was paying attention a lot more. Uh, I was watching YouTube. That was right around the Occupy Wall Street movement. So that was more or less, I had some prior activism in my, under my belt before that, but that was kind of the catalyst to kind of get me into this world. And uh, during the Occupy Wall Street protests, I just saw very heavy handed police brutality. I saw them, uh, you know, beating protesters, very violent, very vicious. And it didn't sit well with me. Um, I, I realized very quickly that uh, what I thought police were and, you know, who they were told to me as, you know, as being protecting and, and serving society was actually not true. Uh, so it, it didn't take very long to kind of dig into that world. 
and uh, find other police accountability uh, organizations. And I realized I had to get involved. I had to do something to kind of counter um, a lot of the police violence in society. Uh, the best way I knew how, that was through uh, activism and protest. And um, so, yeah, in 2012, I started that. 2013, I uh, met up with my now business partner and editor-in-chief, Matt Agarist, who you did the podcast with uh, last yeah. month. And, uh, yeah, we decided to uh, create the Free Thought Project. We were, we were working for another website at one point, uh, realized that wasn't our cup of tea, realized we could do our, our thing much better, uh, focusing on government accountability. So, um, yeah, we created the Free Thought Project 2013. Uh, immediately, we saw a bunch of success. We skyrocketed up to, like, the top 250 websites in the country, uh, which is crazy. It was this immediate success. Uh, I credit to um, focusing on police accountability, but with more of like a libertarian flavor. Uh, believe it or not, there there is and, and there was a lot of libertarians out there. They're very much interested in police accountability, uh, which I guess is kind of surprising to some people because a lot of times we, we think of it as more of like a leftist cause for activism. But uh, we uh, started the Free Thought Project um, that incorporates government accountability, incorporates police accountability, uh, two-way issues, drug war, uh, any type of counterintuitive information, basically the third narrative to uh, mainstream corporate news. And uh, as you mentioned, Jack, you know, it's been one hell of a ride. As I, I said, we know we had a, a great start, a bunch of success in the very beginning. Uh, we built our fan page up to 3.1 million fans. Uh, our Police the Police fan, uh, pay, fan page was 1.9 million fans. And yeah, uh, right around when Trump was elected, we started to realize that even though we had more fans than we did several years ago, that our reach was declining and actually yeah. less and less and probably around the same amount of reach that we had when we had like 200,000 fans. So it was kind of like this great bait and switch by Facebook, you know, kind of speaking on your point here is they sucked it, suckered us all in. We all came in enthusiastic. Hey, we got this great reach on Facebook. I'm going to invest my time and energy creating content on the daily basis. You know, we used to create uh, two to three memes a day, a couple videos a week and six articles a day. So we were on fire. We were building our, our, our audience. Like I said, 3.1 million fans. People were hungry for this information. I mean, it, people still are, but unfortunately, yeah. you know, these big tech sensors have, have really put a clamp down on, on uh, our posts, our information, our content. So, um, yeah, in October, after a, about a year and a half of watching our, our reach dwindle, um, we actually got taken down. We got taken down by Facebook and Twitter, as I mentioned a few minutes ago. And we ended up losing nearly 6 million fans with all the, the pages and accounts that we had. Uh, we had to let go of our entire writing staff. We had six writers that we had to let go. We had to let go two of our social media guys. Uh, this instantly changed the trajectory of my life. I had just bought a house a couple year, a couple months, excuse me, a couple, I just moved into a house a couple weeks prior. I, I thought we were doing okay. I thought I had some stability there. I was confident that I had created this business and uh, they basically pulled, you know, the rug out from underneath of us. So um, since then, we've just been trying to rebuild our audience. We've been ta taken down several times. We're actually on the free thought project 4.0 now on Facebook and uh, police to police 3.0. And just like you, Jack, even as up to as near as this week, I've been dealing with censorship. I've, uh, I, I currently have a Facebook, uh, account restriction. Uh, I got banned from Twitter last week. 
Reddit. Uh, my, my account got permanently banned. So this is a, this is a serious problem, and I'm actually really happy that we're talking about it now because it's not getting any better, and it probably won't be anytime soon. Yeah, I, I agree with that 100%. I'm just I'm putting up a little banner right now to let people know. Um, if you see me on camera and I'm looking over here uh, to my right and left on the screen, uh, we can see your comments on uh, Rumble. We can see them on Float. We can see them on Odyssey. But put them in all caps if you want Jason or I to co- comment them because I'm really multitasking here. Yeah, and, you know, with what you just said, it's where I've advised people heavily. Okay, if you're still going to play Twitter, Facebook as your social media, you better be every time you use it for content driving them to a direct connection some way, email list, telegram channel, something that's outside of that arena. Because if you don't, what happened to you is what happened. So you have this amazing success and it's almost like they want you to get successful first because then they pull the rug out from under you and you lose everything in a day. Um, And it's also why I tell people like if you're a YouTube creator and you don't have an Odyssey account, I, I hate to use these words to someone I don't even know, but you're stupid. And you're stupid because you can set it up in five seconds and you can push a button and all your content will pour it over to Odyssey. And every piece of content you put up from that point forward will go there. And even if you don't work it, it's there because, you know, it's one thing to lose all your business account stuff and, and all your all your videos you've done for your followers. But, you know, my YouTube channel has tons of stuff on it that is it is all since it's a commercial account, it is all for my audience to see, but some of it's very personal to me because I have a lifestyle business. So some of it, like sure. yesterday, my, my grandkids and I were watching videos of when I first brought our, our dog Charlie to the farm and how we integrated him with the giant shepherd Max and how we trained him. And that's great for the audience to see because they're homesteaders and they want to know how to do that. Sure. But, you know, I forget that some of that stuff's even there sometimes. And like not having a backup of that, that's a huge loss. So you lose financially, you lose emotionally, you lose spiritually. I mean, some of these people had their YouTube channels taken down, lost, you know, like uh, Stefan Molyneux, who I don't agree with all the time. None of us agree with each other all the time. But the amount of volume of work that disintegrated overnight, yeah. it could have been avoided by filling out a form and clicking a button. Like, so even if you're not ready to, like, go all in on these alternative platforms, man, back your content up. And for all uh, people that are doing this for a professional reason, a corporate reason, whatever, man, you got to establish the direct relationship. Being able to communicate with people on Facebook Messenger or DMs on Twitter, that is not a direct relationship. There's still a third party in there. Great points, Jack, and I'm so glad you brought that up because you're exactly right. That was the fatal flaw in our operation, in our business strategy. And obviously now I would take it all back. We did diversify a little bit. You know, obviously we were on Twitter. Uh, we had, I think, a Minds account at that point as well. Just not enough. And as if I could stress urgency as far as diversifying your social media platforms, Please, like, hear me out on this one because you're going to be saving yourself a lot of time, effort, and frustration ultimately. Like I said in the very beginning of this, I'm I'm still a little bitter about this. You know, I mean, that was five years of my life that I worked very hard for. And, uh, yeah, because, you know, it's this third party, this, uh, you know, this entity that claims the right, which, you know, they do. They they own. I'm not, you know, going to put a gun to their head and say, host the content, host the content, goddammit. But, it is it is tricky, and there's a lot of nuance to this conversation, like you were saying. You know, it's not just as simple as saying, "Well, it's just a private company," and it's not as simple as saying, "Well, they they should be public and they should host it." It's a little more complex than that. 
But yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, you're going to be doing yourself a favor. And I think there are even features. Uh, I know one of our favorite social media platforms, which is float.app. I, I believe that, uh, they have the option to import your entire Facebook yep. uh, data and history. So do that. Just do that right now. Do it. That's going to take some time. That's going to take a couple of days to process. And who knows, you know, the way Facebook algorithms are, I mean, they're so poorly coded between now and then you could be gone. You could have your entire profile erased. So it's probably not a bad idea. I've not been shut down, but I have had Facebook jail experiences from a post that's five years old. Nobody's looked at in, in, in five years. Like you put it up, it did what it did. It got comments. You look at it, the last comment was like, you know, five year, 5.3 years ago or something like that. And all of a sudden their algorithm dug through it all, found it and says, Oh, Jack Spearco's a bad boy. Now to me, this is, that's insane. That's it. That, that is, that is, that is wanting to cause problems for people. And it, it shows you what we're dealing with. And again, I reiterate, these are not private companies, not the way they conduct themselves. And they also have no even handedness. They're not sure. clear what is and what is not a violation. You know, what, what, what is misinformation? Is misinformation something you disagree with? Cause that's not misinformation. That's a difference of opinion. I, I would actually be a lot more okay with as bad as this is if they all just said, okay, we're all in the tank for the left and the big establishment and the technocracy and the oligarchy and we'll do whatever we want. And if you don't like it, don't use our platform. The feigning of actually, because what it does then is they have so much cloud that when they take me down, It infers that I'm a liar, and it is, in fact, slander against me. You're an extremist. And I have no recourse. I have no way to and, – and then my number one way of communicating that I was wronged is the platform that it was done to me on, which you also control. Yeah. And it's it, – there is – And I, I'm sure if, you know, you've, I'm sure you've looked into with what you do, a lot of things that go on with so-called science and stuff like that, too. There's so much corruption in that apparatus – Yeah. Uh, within like, you know, Fauci's organization and stuff like that. And then they're the ones dictating what can and can't be said about them. Now that's, that's the, so think about it that way. So now I'm Fauci. I control billions of dollars a year. You're a researcher and you're saying, no, you guys have this wrong. And I just cut off your funding and I destroy your career. And I can literally do that by fiat. Fauci can literally say, You know what? Jason Bassler is, was a great cancer researcher. Cause this actually happened to people, you know, but, uh, he's challenged me on my orthodoxy for, uh, the HIV's role in AIDS. Perfect example. Peter Duesberg, this happened to, you know, uh, so he's out and no one will work with you. Your university will stop giving you merit pay raises. If you keep your job, you will not, you will try to publish papers. Nobody will publish your papers, right? And any funding you want for any research, you will not get. And then at the same time, you can then get, okay, I am this doctor. This is what happened to me and put that on Facebook or Twitter or what have you. And, and then the collaboration with government just takes it down and takes it away and says, uh, he, you know, Jason's a liar. Now at that point, this whole argument that they're a private platform is we're done. We're, that's, that's actually worse than them being a public utility, right? Because they have the worst of all those worlds because there's a lot of evils in the corporate world. There's a lot of evils in the government world. And when you put them together and you actually create kind of a third entity, you know, where the two mesh together, you have like the, the trifecta, like the, the holy trinity of freaking evil. And then they completely control the conversation. Yeah, I don't think I could say it any better than that, really. Uh, that's that's exactly what we're up against. Um, the, the 
the game is rigged, you know, and I, I've been saying this for years now and in so much. So, you know, we actually had a um, Facebook whistleblower on our podcast a few months back. I believe it was in September and he came out, of course, you know, he couldn't get any media publicity whatsoever. Uh, unlike the, the whistleblower that came out about a month later, Francis Hagan. But uh, this guy, you know, he had to, basically resort to groveling to Project Veritas to get any of his opinions, any of his work even published out onto the internet. But one of the fascinating things that he told us was that they do indeed change their community standards on a frequent basis. He would say about every two to three weeks, he would get a new, uh, you know, a new file, a new uh, a booklet about all their new changes within their community standards. So to your point, you know, that seems crazy to me. There's not a single user on the internet who's going to be constantly scanning Facebook's TOS or community standards to make sure that they're constantly in compliance. I mean, if they're changing it that frequently, yeah, there's a problem on their end, right? And, and to speak on that even more, they also have selective enforcement, which is just as bad. You know, I mean, this is something that we've dealt with for years now. In fact, I had a, a meme about E.T., there was a picture of E.T. and uh, Elliot, you know, he was like holding his hand and said something about, you know, this is my illegal alien. I can't remember exactly what the punchline <laughs> was, but like that was enough, right? Because yeah. the Facebook algorithms and AI, they can't detect jest. You know, they can't detect no. sarcasm. You know, it's just straight to the gulag to you and that's it. So, you know, this, this, whistle, this whistleblower, Ryan Hartwig, he actually told us that not only is this selective enforcement, you know, something that we just – say that you know exists but it actually does exist in fact they have uh, a few different um people within facebook different uh groups one was called x check where they would actually um you know and there was another one called fire brigade apparently but if there was uh, a celebrity or somebody that they had on a white list who actually did violate their terms of service or their community standards they would actually remove the the, the violation and, you know, take away the throttle. I mean, this is something that happens frequently, especially on Instagram. I mean, we, we know how big that platform is for influencers. So uh, this is straight from the horse's mouth. You know, I mean, this isn't something that's a conspiracy theory. This is something that we had confirmed straight up by this Facebook whistleblower. And, if you know, if anybody is listening to this and wants to hear more about that, definitely check out the Free Thought Project podcast with Ryan Hartley. He's talking about the real whistleblower too, not the one that was the setup that came out and said that the problem is they need to censor more. Right. Like the yeah. Fake or phony. We're talking about the real whistleblower here. Um, yeah. you have something in, in my agenda that you submitted called the Atlantic Council. I have never heard of that. Sure. I love to learn about things I don't know about. So what is it and why does it matter? Yeah. So, um, right around 2018, Facebook announced it was partnering with, uh, arm of the government funded Atlantic Council, which is known as the Digital Forensic Research Lab. And they are basically brought on to help with real time insights and updates on emerging threats and disinformation campaigns around the world. And yes, that sounds as, uh, you know, malicious and nefarious as it actually is, because when they use that type of terminology, like run for the hills, you know, I mean, it's just like saying, you know, we, we're trying to preserve the sanctity of democracy. I mean, it's just this loaded, this loaded terminology, right? So, um, the Atlantic Council basically has their hands on everything. They, they wield massive influence over mainstream media as well. Um, so they're basically a NATO group that whitewashes wars. Um, they 
you know, during the 2017, 2016, 2018, during that whole time period, they were the ones who were really fostering the hatred towards Russia um, and, and sculpting all that propaganda. And so, you know, you're probably wondering, like, who funds these guys? Um, all the worst of the worst. So Raytheon, Lockheed Martin, Boeing, uh, billionaire oligarchs, the U.S. Army, uh, the EU, NATO, um, even Big Pharma. I mean, all the, the worst of the worst. So um, in 2018, we actually got our hands on like a 21-page document uh, that was published about uh, – it was published about the U.S. military conference detailing how Silicon, Silicon Valley techs, giants were um, – being used to nullify the threat of the new media landscape, uh, which was posing, um, you know, a, a problem for the U.S. power establishment. So basically, you know, these guys are a think tank. Um, they make decisions on who they censor, who Facebook is going to, uh, you know, wield their control over. And ultimately, it's directly funded by multiple state actors, uh, including uh, the United States, uh, like I said, the Air Force, uh, even the highly unethical HSBC group. So, I mean, you really can't make this stuff up. You know, it, it's kind of like a, a criminal car cabal trying to lecture you about ethics. You know, I mean, these are like <laughs> the worst of the worst people. So, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, and the behavior is not new. I, I think people think that the behavior is new. The behavior is the same behavior manifesting in a different way. So yeah. if, if you go back and you look at Google, for instance, and I'm going back to like early 2000s when I was originally getting involved with search engine optimization, we in the SEO field figured out real quick that they were doing, we, we came up with a term for it. We called it hand jobs, where they would go in and adjust search results, right? And And we knew this because we had... We had decoded their algorithm so well that, and there were holes in them. You could drive a truck through. So when I had a client, they said, we want to rank for these things. Unless they had somebody, the, the competitor had somebody as good as me and they usually didn't, you know, I could, I could force organic rankings. And, and we knew when something would fall out that it didn't make sense. When it didn't fall, it didn't drop a little bit. It wasn't like somebody displaced you because they did a better job. It just went to like the gray results. And so we kept saying this was going on in early social media back then. We're talking about things like, uh, I can't think of what it's called now, like Reddit and I guess Reddit's still around, but there's some other ones that would dig like we would have these conversations, but no, like we're not. Friendster, Friendster, yeah. right? Back yeah, in yeah, Mix and all kinds of stuff <laughs> back then, right? So then a whistle, a real whistleblower from Google leaked a PDF. Hmm. Of, we called it the hand job manual. And it specifically said, this is what to do. This is what to look for. And this is how to do it. So they, they'd gone on, on record saying, we don't do that. And then, well, here's your manual telling your interns how to do it. Another thing that they did, and this is why nothing YouTube or Google does today will surprise me, there's a company that came out back around the same time called PaperPost. And PaperPost was a platform for bloggers. And let's say when you started out, let's say when you weren't well-known, you wanted to get well-known, you could go to this platform and say, I would like existing bloggers to blog about me. And you could pay them and say, you know, I will pay you 50 bucks for a post or 10 bucks for a post or whatever it was. And mainly people were buying links as it was a back-end way to buy links because links were so essential to the algorithm for search engine rankings. Yep. Well, instead of fixing their search engine and their algorithm, they had interns go in and then find the blogs that were participating, adjust their page rank to a zero to completely devalue the link authority of the blog and delist them. or not really delist them, like shitlist them in the search engine, and they did all that manually. 
Now, the people they were doing this to were mainly like mommy bloggers and shit. These were like, you know, stay-at-home moms that were making a thousand bucks a month writing a couple articles every day, and, and they destroyed their – now, this was not kicking somebody off social media. This was destroying the value of their property because you couldn't fix your algorithm. Now, if you'll do that with no concern whatsoever, that's back when they still had do no evil as their slogan, right? <laughs> they were destroying the property of single moms feeding their kids because they couldn't fix their own shit. So nothing these people do will surprise me ever. I mean, ever, ever, never, ever, never. I, I'm, I'm, in fact, I'm surprised it hasn't been worse yet. And, yeah. and I have a theory about why it's not worse yet. Mm-hmm. If they really would ban everybody, then they would actually have competition, right? If they really pushed all of us out, then all of these big names would all at one time go to these alternative platforms. Right. And they know okay. they can only – they have to do a slow bleed. They can't do a full purge. They have to have, like, some group go out, and then everybody's like, it's the Nazi thing, right? They came for the, the, yeah. the, the group, it wasn't me, and then it wasn't me, and then it wasn't me, and by the time they come for you, there's no one left, right? Like, that's right. that's literally the model that they're following. That's actually right on par with what I've been observing and experiencing as well, because uh, for the years between, let's see, 2018, when we lost our original our, our largest page to 2020, they were taking us down maybe every few months and we kept yeah. creating new pages. That's why we're on the free thought project 4.0. Now that was kind of our rebuttal, you know, it's like, we're just going to keep creating, you know, a, a new rendition of the page every time you take it down. But as to what you're saying, I think that's exactly spot on because now it's like, okay, we realized, you know, the big tech companies, they kind of realize that there's more backlash if they just take people down. In fact, that's going to create more fervor. It's going to create more hype, hysteria. So what they're doing now is actually just completely throttling people. So their reach Mm -hmm. and views are so negatively impacted that it's almost not worth spending the time and effort to create content and post it anymore. So, yeah, yeah, I think you're you're spot on with that. And by doing that, it it still gives this uh, illusion that, well, the page is still up, you know, the account's still going. It's probably just their content. It's probably just their content that isn't resonating with their audience. Yeah, so it's sure their it fault. You know, and so in that sense. We're looking at it right now. People can't see it, but I don't know if you can, but I can see the viewer count we have. And the only thing that's being count for views right now on the StreamYard side is Facebook. We have exactly one person mm-hmm. watching us on Facebook right now where I have, and we're just on my personal page, but I have 10,000 combined connections and followers in my personal right. page on Facebook. Right. 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 And on, on float where I have a very small following, we have 18. Right. right. And no, that's... Odyssey where I have a even smaller real following and we got 44 and I set up uh rumble yesterday and we have 17, but we right. have one on Facebook with 10,000 followers who have been following me forever. Yeah. Sure. Right. That's legitimate. Of course it is. Right. I mean, really, no, I, I, I'm right there with you. And that's what is so frustrating about all this, Jack, is that we have 950,000 followers on our Police the Police page, right? We're lucky if we reach more than 20,000 people for a post. I mean, that's that's not even 1%. You know, I mean, this is ridiculous. And the, the worst part about it for me is it kind of makes the foundation this shaky place where you really have no consistency. So you don't know if it's your content if you're just maybe not creating content that's resonating with yeah. people or if it's just not getting out to them, if they're just not seeing it. And let me just remind you, too, these are all people who voluntarily 
clicked like or follow on our page. So these people are asking for our content. Yeah. But once yeah. again, you know, and then I'm constantly other- seeing shit that I didn't ask to see. Oh, sure. At the same oh, yeah. time, right? You're showing me all these other people that, and they're not paid posts, right? I'm seeing all kinds of crap that I don't care about it because right. one person that followed me 10 years ago made a comment in it. Right. But right, you right. like that content and you, and I see the same thing over and over and over again, right? Like, or on Twitter right now, this is crazy. Like I'll put up something, a hundred people see it, 15,000 followers, a hundred people see it. I get no new followers. I haven't had a new follower on Twitter in years, right? right. Somehow some people do see it. Don't make a comment. Their comments are grayed out as potentially offensive, and it's something like, "Yeah, that was a good post," right? Sure. Like this is this is a game to these people at this point. Absolutely, and it's why you know people say, you know, why are you so anti these these platforms? Because it's not worth my time when they're doing that. It's no longer worth my time. I mean, to sit here right now and know we're talking to one person on Facebook, I guess it is because you know we're talking to that one person on Facebook, and at least we're talking to one person. True, but when the game's so rigged, I mean, it really is discouraging, you know, and especially when you've worked, I mean, that you've worked hard to, to build these audiences, you know, and that used to be the name of the game is that you build an audience, you get that reach, but they slowly perverted that whole mentality of that whole idea. And uh, yeah, I mean, I'm right there with you, you know, you want to talk about Facebook's uh, mission statement. Well, our mission is to give people the power to build community and bring the world closer together. <laughs> really? Because I'm pretty sure that's what we were doing. And not to mention, you know, we had our Police the Police uh, organization, our, our page taken down, 1.9 million followers. That was the largest police accountability conversation anywhere on the Internet at that point. That was bigger than any Reddit sub. That was the biggest conversation happening on the Internet. Well, they're planning to fund the police. And right? then, yeah, yeah. But, and then two years not later. Not this way. This is actual things that are happening. This isn't. This isn't one thing we can rev up and burn down a city for. These are actual things. And by the way, we don't care when the abuse is against a black, a white, a Mexican. We don't care. We care the police abused a citizen. The end. That's not okay, Jason. That's wrong. You are an evil person. You shouldn't be doing that. That's what frustrates me the most, right? We were around before Black Lives Matter. Not by much, but a couple years. And here's Facebook white knighting for Black Lives Matter and using this social justice cause as a vehicle to get themselves more, you know, praise and more support. It just drives me crazy because, you know, obviously our flavor of police accountability, that's not going to be mainstream. Basically saying, hey, police are a monopoly. We need to decentralize, you know, to private security companies. That That's never going to be a mainstream topic or talking point. So, yeah. you know, here I am watching Facebook white night for BLM while I'm pulling my hair out saying we once had the largest police accountability you know, conversation anywhere on the internet and you people take, took it down and nobody's saying a word about it, especially not mainstream media because they have no incentive to. Well, because they don't want a true message. Right. Because the true message is uniting and a, 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 a partially true message is dividing. So when you make the conversation, police are abusing black people. It's going to be divisive. When you yeah. make the conversation, police are abusing people. And here's the examples of that occurring. That's actually unifying because now it's not about, well, you know, it's just a racial thing or something yeah. like that. And I'm not saying police don't abuse black people. I'm just saying they do a lot of abusing of white people. They do a lot of abusing of children. They do a lot of abusing of people's animals. They do a lot of abusing of Hispanic people. They pretty much do a lot of abuse to the people that they're supposed to serve. And I'm not okay. one of these people that's like every cop's a bad cop or every cop's a bad person. 
but I've seen an awful lot, much of it thanks to you, that is incontrovertible abuse of power, and some of it is outright murder. And I've seen more get away with it than held accountable for it. That's a conversation we should have. And that would be a conversation that we could have, and if any politician actually grabbed onto it, it would be good for them. But sure. nobody wants to do that. They're either lily-white, blue-armored knights, or they're going around, driving around with a rifle out the window, sh randomly shooting black people as they drive down the street. Those are the two extremes, and neither one of them are even close to accurate. So how can we actually have anything approaching a solution if we're having a discussion that is, is flawed from the get-go? And that's almost like the people in power, both the oligarchs, technocrats, and the bureaucrats, and the politicians, they don't want anything solved. Solved is bad. Problems are good. That's, that's where we're at in society today. It's actually a larger problem than just social media. Social media is just like the town square now, so it's where we see the problem manifest itself. Um, the other thing I want to ask you about, though, another thing in your notes was the Streisand effect. What is the Streisand effect? Sure. So, um, and I think it was like 2003, Barbara Streisand had sued a photographer for something like something crazy, right? Like $50 million dollars because uh, he took a picture while he was, uh, I think, in like a helicopter or something. He was, it was an aerial photography uh, photograph, excuse me, and it was of her oceanfront home in Malibu. Uh, in California. So before the lawsuit, uh, there, nobody had seen the picture, right? Nobody had heard of it. Nobody even knew about it. This is still kind of in the beginning, early days of the internet. So of course, once the lawsuit uh, came out, um, I think the, well, let me, let me take a step back. I think before the lawsuit, Uh, the, the photograph had been downloaded like a total of six times or something like that. But after the lawsuit uh, and the case went public, the picture was downloaded more than 420,000 times in just a month. So okay. it, it, she lost the case. It, it's become kind of like this um, this platitude euphemism, if you, if you will. Uh, analogy, I guess, is probably a better word. Uh, basically saying that anytime you try to uh, implement censorship, it's going to backfire. And, and this is kind of what we were talking about a few minutes ago, too, with, about them taking down the pages. Uh, it's going to cause more of a reaction with people being frustrated. So, um, yeah, the Streisand effect is more or less the outrage that occurs uh, when censorship happens. And eventually, you know, censorship always backfires. And when we see this time and time again, um, right now, the, the big tech actors, they still have momentum on their side. They still have uh, the money. Um, you know, they, they still have the influence, the power, but eventually it's going to catch up to them. And it already is. That's why we've seen uh, so many of these different smaller social media platforms launch within the past few years now. Do you think we're kind of entering an age of accountability at this point? Absolutely, man. Yeah, I've been saying that for a while. I mean, we're in the age of information, right? Uh, and in the age of information, ignorance is a choice. I think a lot of people are realizing that. I think a lot of people um, are finding that the Internet, through its various resources, has a lot to provide uh, accountability measures and features. So um, blockchain is probably one example of that. Uh, probably one of the best examples of that. But an another thing, too, I, I want to point out is that, you know, we're, we're slowly shifting. I mean, the people who are tend to be, uh, I, I guess, some of the people who are not the most informed, a lot of people who just kind of go with the flow, a lot of people who are on autopilot tend to be some of the older generations. Uh, a lot of the younger generations try to seek alternatives. Um, they don't 
just kind of bend over and take it, if you will. Uh, they're not as apt uh, to just um, accepting authority. So I think as the boomers and the older generations slowly phase out, we're going to slowly be moving into more of an age of accountability. Uh, thank, thankfully, due to the internet and a lot of the, the features yeah. and resources that we have. And kind of on your Streisand effect and this coming together, what I've noticed mm -hmm. is if you put up a video that's on Odyssey or Rumble or BuzzTube or whatever the hell it is, you know, um, a lot of times a lot of people aren't real interested in it. But if it's there because it was taken down by Twitter or Facebook or YouTube, all of yeah. a sudden they're very interested in it. You know, I had a, a video of uh, Robert Malone's interview with Joe Rogan, and one of my friends had shared it on Facebook And a lot of people were watching it. And then, of course, YouTube, it was somebody put it on YouTube, so somebody took it down, right? And then I was like, it's here on Odyssey. And, like, you just saw the views explode because yeah. you took it away. A lot of people that would have looked at it and shrugged were now like, no, wait a minute. If you don't want me to see it, maybe maybe I should see it. And I think the other thing is getting younger people involved. Like my nephew and my niece, I guess you call her niece-in-law, my nephew's wife, They run an Instagram kind of glamour model business and they've had problems with being taken down because it's Instagram's very, and so is TikTok very complaint driven. So they'll have competitors make complaints about them saying they're doing something like porn or something like that. They don't do any of that shit, but they'll just instinctively take it down and it takes forever to get your account back up. Yeah. So they didn't give a damn about this when they'd hear me bitch about it until it hit their bottom line. because these folks make really good money doing what they're doing. So they're like, well, if it can happen to us here, And this isn't even, there's nothing political about them. They are completely, they are political atheists. They don't care about politics. They don't want to care about, they don't even look. Um, they probably haven't watched the news in, in 10 years, and that's why they're so damn happy, right? <laughs> But it did resonate that, hey, you know, if it's wrong to destroy our income, hmm. it's wrong to destroy the income and the voice of other people. And all of a sudden they care, and they're starting to look at alternative platforms and things like that. Um And I think more and more, like, young people are going to start realizing, like, this literally is, it's the telephone of the, tw you know, 2000s, yes. right? That's the thing. Is it's like you're, you're not censoring a website. You're censoring a, a, a media of communications. And I think more and more people are going to turn to alternatives. And I think right now the big thing that, that hurts, like, a company trying to take on Twitter, well, the governor of your state's on Twitter. Right. Yeah, and maybe sure. you and I don't give a shit what our governor says, but a lot of people do. Um, Elon Musk is on Twitter. Right. right. So there's always a chance that you're going to say something to Elon Musk and you're going to get an answer or your your favorite pop star or your favorite rock star or your favorite rap star or whatever does it for you. Or, you know, your favorite uh, sports personality. Um, I, I really don't give a shit about the NFL anymore. I'm like, really, my whole life was a huge Pittsburgh Steelers fan and kind of the whole white knighting of Black Lives Matters, what kind of, like, I'm not mad, I'm just not interested anymore. But I remember many, many years ago, I, I tweeted something, and Antonio Brown, when he was brand new to the, the Steelers, like, responded to me, and I was like, telling my son, hey, man, Antonio Brown, talk to him. <laughs> like, they have all the celebrity. They have all the clout. And I think a lot of people are there to watch what those people have to say and also watch them argue with each other. Sure. So some of these alternatives can draw in some of that level of clout, That's one thing they will never have. Now, it's not very important to me anymore, but I can understand why it is to the average person to sure. know they're going to get updates from their governor during a disaster, right? And, like, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if we need to start having some sort of syndication against their will or something because I can tell you right now we could do it. It's not that hard to, to, 
to link in and to monitor a feed and to 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 syndicate in information is pretty simple. Um, now they're not, you're not gonna be able to talk back to them, but you know, sure. Yeah, I I, I think that might be one. So, what is your favorite social platform other than the big guys? Um, yeah, before I answer that, I just wanted to say that's why I always try to focus and really make clear the point that the the big tech is the mainstream social media platforms. Yeah. You know, these guys are the ones and just like mainstream media, they're eventually going to die out once people kind of catch on. And we've already seen that. We already see Rogan. You know, I mean, Rogan's what he's taking control. I mean, he's getting more viewers than I think 98.9% of all mainstream media right now. So I think it's just a matter of time. And I think it's people like us that really need to instigate this push. Right. And especially with the libertarian anarchist community. And we could, you know, worry about the rest after that. But I mean, we really need to get off these these big mainstream media, social media platforms. But um, <clears throat> my favorite right now, I think I'm probably right there with you with Float. Uh, yeah. I've kind of gone back and forth over the past couple of years. At one point, I, I really liked MeWe. It felt like a really clean uh, user interface. It felt pretty similar to Facebook and it felt like it would be a, a good transition for people to to migrate from Facebook over to MeWe. But I think you had made the point actually in our podcast, you said, I like MeWe, but they're not doing anything to improve. They, no. They've been exactly the same that they've been for the last two or whatever, five years that they've been around. And, you know, that struck a nerve with me, Jack. I, I kind of it resonated. I was like, you know what? He's right about that. And then we look at our, our friends over at Float and, you know, just to be perfectly clear here, both me and Jack are friends with the owners of Float, you know. Absolutely. But, Personal friends. So we do have some bias. Sure. But, I mean, I, I think ultimately, you know, we're trying to look at all these things um, as as fairly as we can for the benefit of our audience and for the cause. And I do really like the way that Float is continuing to innovate. Uh, I know the Float token is going to be dropping sometime soon. And, and just the fact that Aaron and Kingsley just have their finger on the pulse of technology and innovation, it, it seems like that's almost like a surefire way to guarantee that they're always going to be ahead of the curve, uh, one step ahead of probably most of these other smaller platforms. And uh, it's just a good vibe over there. You know, like people are supporting each other. Um, there, there's a lot of uh, freedom minded uh, people on there, but it's more than that. There's also artists, there's musicians. Uh, there's people who are just migrating over because they've had enough of Facebook. They don't even know what anarchy is necessarily, yeah. you know? So, yeah, um, yeah, I, I see a lot of momentum over there on float. What I love about them too, is they're, they're just not going to play the game with Apple and Android, right? Sure. They're just like, screw it. You know what? We're not going to do it. We're not going to be app based. We're going to be browser based. People know how to use a browser. If you want to use it, use that because they're not going to get parlor. You know, I, yeah. I blew up on parlor. I was like, I, and people were like, it's a right wing echo chamber. I'm like, okay, well, let's make it not. Sure. And I'm like, let's go over there and let's talk about homesteading. Let's talk about permaculture. Let's go over there and make, you know, make, I'll ask members of my audience, make three posts a day to have nothing to do with politics. And let's follow each other. And we, we developed a hashtag, friends of TSP, and we started connecting that way. And I went from zero to 6,000 followers and then AWS and, and, and Google and Apple pulled the plug. And then two months later, Parler's like, we're back. I'm like, well, you know, I got 6,000 odd followers over there. I can at least log in and post some shit and no one, no interaction because everybody left. Everybody's like, yeah. okay, this is dumb. And I don't want to ever invest my time and effort in building a presence on a platform ever again that can have, that can, can be taken away from me. Yeah. And I, I don't think Kingsley and Aaron will ever take it away. Yeah. And I know people say, well, when the money comes in or this, no, you, if you do it the way they're doing it, you can't. 
Right. Right. To be fair to Facebook, which I don't want to be, to be fair to YouTube, to be fair to, to Twitter, they never said right from the beginning, we are 100% a free speech platform. They never said that. They inferred it, but they didn't have the owner, Mark Zuckerberg, out going on podcasts all over the country, right, saying we will never censor your speech. If you build your platform on that and you do it, you are dead the day you do it to one person. Right. If they decide, you know, Alex Jones says something completely wacky, like, oh, that happens once in a while, you know, and they're like, okay, that was too much. And they they take him down that action to a person like me. That's like, I'm not really into Alex and what he's doing. I'm glad he's there. I'm glad he's not censored, but he's not my guy. I'm still you're dead to me. Right. Right. Like mafia level, like take them out. They're dead. Like, no, no more. So they can't do it. And when when Google asked them, I don't know if you saw that Google asked them to censor. So they would leave them in the app store. And Kingsley was basically like, yeah, fuck you. That was literally the whole response. Like, fuck you, we're not doing that. You know, that became like, a meme. That became yeah, a meme myself. Right? <laughs> there was the one with uh, the pawn shop guy, you know, and right. it's like Google, we want you to censor your user. <laughs> and like Rick, Rick deals like the best thing I could do is tell you to fuck off. Like right, that right. was, you know, yeah. So they can't do it, you know, and it would be detrimental. And they're trying to do a marketplace and all that. So I think when flute float, Full version comes. I think that they're going to be a really strong platform. And I think that from my conversations, the reason it hasn't happened yet, and we're all like, come on, get it, get it out. We want the marketplace and all. They don't want to launch it and have it not work. They'd sure, rather have it be the way that it is. Everybody knows yeah. what they're getting. Every once in a while, my stream over there crashes. I expect it. But when the new platform comes out, I expect it to work at least as good and better. And they're doing a lot of debugging. I'm like, anytime you want me to beta test from, I'm good at breaking shit. Let me know. <laughs> um, and I think right. that like that smooth, quick interface and then bringing the Facebook, because what they're going to basically be is like Facebook and Twitter together. I think that's what you need. I think Twitter is like everybody yelling at each other about politics, celebrities and cryptocurrency. Yeah. Facebook is where people go to talk about their family. And I sure. think it is that interaction. Now, me, we, I, yeah, like, you know, I like what it does, but they're not doing anything new. Yeah. Um, the best thing they ever did was make me, we camera, which is a separate app that, you can take a video and it shows you on one side and what you're pointing at on the other, like little man in a box, or you can swap mm-hmm. it. Then they put a one minute time limit on it. So, okay, well, that's stupid. Cause I would like, well, you don't want, you know, your uploads are limited for videos on me with, but yeah, but I would use the app, right? So that didn't make any sense. And I would love them to be better than they are. And right now they're my best interaction. I get more yeah. interaction and more traffic from me than any other alternative platform, but. You know, it's kind of like, this is what we're using. And I even tell people in my communities there, this is what we're using until float brings communities out. And when float brings communities out, I just want you all to know you can stay here, but I'm going to put my effort over there unless they screw it up, you know. And sure. so that's kind of where I'm at, too. It's interesting that we've kind of ended in that same place. And I think it is because Kingsley and Aaron are so yeah out in front of it. This is what we're doing. This is why we're doing it. We will not compromise. And I honestly don't know anybody doing it that way. And I guess the closest would be uh, Andrew Torba over at Gab. Sure. But they're both wide open free space. There's not a lot of crazy ass neo-Nazi racist crap on float though. And they're, I'm sorry to the people that like Gab. I use it. I'm there. I post on it, but there's a lot of it. And I don't mean a little here and there. I mean, there's a lot of it. And, there is, I, I don't blame Andrew, but there is a certain amount of tone setting that probably makes it that way. And so I'm only going to sure. put so much effort there. Yeah, no, I hear you, man. And, 
I mean, I get it. I totally get it. You know, I think Gab has its its benefits as well. Um, and to stick Good up technology, there, right? Sure. I mean, it does everything you want it to it, do. It's smooth. It's smooth. It runs. It's not clunky. Um, and to stick up for quote, you know, right wing ch- echo chambers. And I have to explain this frequently, right? Because I'll post something on Facebook with a link to all of our different different social media, and people yeah. will be like, "You're on, you're on Getter, you're on Gab, yeah. you know, you're on yeah. Parler. Why?" Well. Motherfucker, like you lose six million fans and tell me you're not going to spread the net as far and wide as you can, right? Like I am yeah. not going to be deplatformed again. I'm not going to be silenced again. I'm going to do everything I can to make sure that my opinions, my views, my content is being seen by the widest audience possible. So yeah. I think people maybe need to take a step back out of that whole echo chamber is dangerous thing. I mean, I get it. It's not necessarily. And as you were just talking, yeah, there's plenty of Nazis, but some of us, we're just in the fight for survival, you know, and especially yeah. when these yep. big tech social media platforms aren't playing by their own rules, you know? Yep. So we, we kind of have to do what we can to stick around. Yeah. And but, I mean, uh, on, on Gab, they have Gab TV, which I think is, it works. Sure. It's great. If you're like, why don't you put your videos there? Well, cause I have to go individually upload them. They turn RMTP on and they let me stream. I'll be on Gab TV tomorrow. They set up a sink, a sink where I can start pulling all my content in off of YouTube. I'll be there tomorrow, but I'm, you know, like all of us have only so much time in a day. And sure. so nobody's going to be perfect for everybody. And, you know, I, I will say this. Do I have any doubt that anybody can say anything they want on Gab and n- have no fear of censorship? I absolutely do. And I'd rather have the negative that we're just talking about to have that level of freedom, right. true freedom, than have somebody start deciding. Because once you – and this is what Andrew says. Once you start deciding who gets to say what, where's the line? Sure. Where's the line? And if you're going to do that, then you better do it right from the beginning. Like there are some limits to how you can use float. Like you can't like threaten and harass somebody, right? Like where you're physically threatening somebody. But I think their whole terms is like nine statements. It's like, you don't even have to scroll. It's like, boom, 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 done. Like, okay, that's, I'm all for rules. I'm all for voluntary dictatorships. I really am, but you better be clear and you can't change every, you know, put your finger up and change every time the wind shifts. It's, it's right. crap, and I, I, it, it's it's good to see. I think that people are beginning the migration, yeah. and it's always going to be slow at first. The pioneers will always have the arrows in their back and what have you, but sure. there is there is a place for it, and I think it's I think it's coming, and I think eventually you're going to see kind of like the Mastodon Federation thing start to happen between all these platforms, and people will have like visibility into everything that they're on. Um, I know Float is trying – that's another reason like Float. They're trying to be that, like, eventually. Like, let's let them get our shit right sh- first, but then let's let's let people link their Twitter account. Like, Because right, right, right now, when I put something on Float, if it's just text and a link, I just go put it on Twitter. Right from Float, and it goes on Twitter. So, yeah. I mean, we right. need more of that, too. Sure. And, uh, you know, just a reminder, it is in beta mode, guys. Um, so it is going to be changing. If, if you happen to, you know, bring it up while we've been talking about this and it doesn't exactly look, you know, super style. It's not, you know, the most, uh, aesthetically pleasing yet. It, it's going to be, and, and they have a great team over there as well. But, um, <clears throat> you know, before we wrap this up, Jack, I do want to say that. I think we're on something crazy like 16 or 17 different social media platforms that we <laughs> we post on every single day, and I'm religious about it. Uh, I think you're probably one of the only people who I see on almost all of them as well. And I'm, I just want to give you a little praise, man. You are very innovative uh, when it comes to social media. You're definitely a social media guru. Uh, you're, you're great about connecting with people. 
about um, sharing content, your own content, but also getting other people's content out there, being supportive. I got a lot of respect for you, brother. In fact, that's half the reason why I wanted to do this conversation, just because I feel like we're almost kind of like social media buddies in that sense, where it's like, (laughs) oh, there's Jack. Like he's got 8,000 people that follow him on on MeWe as well. And um, there's there's a certain level of... uh, fortitude that goes into this, you know, and, and really uh, trying to be smart and strategic about how you a- apply your time and, and, you know, strategically apply effectiveness and stuff. So, you know, I, I really uh, appreciate what you've been doing and I've certainly learned from it. So thank you for that, man. Well, thank you too, man. Let people know how they can get in touch with you. Uh, I, I, I went today and I, and I put links in the notes. So anybody that wants to just go to today's audio podcast version on the website. We'll have an embedded video there as well if you want to see the video version. And you can find these links. But, Jason, tell them how they can find you. Yeah, so uh, freethoughtproject.com, that's kind of our home base. Um, From there, you know, you could go to uh, the very top. There's a tab for newsletters. There's a tab for a podcast. We usually put out about one to two podcasts every month, but uh, always great guests. Um, you could also follow my personal Twitter, Jason Bassler one. I just started an Instagram account as well. I'm fortunately have to stay on some of these uh, mainstream platforms just to kind of get my own name out there, which was never my goal. But after you've lost six million fans, you know, you kind of learn from it. So um, also on Minds, MeWe, Float, Sovereign, uh, the dreaded Facebook. Um, but yeah, meme warrior, meme war veteran, as my hat yeah. says. But you can get, <laughs> I gotta get that on a t-shirt, man. Liberty maniacs, guys. Yes. Yeah. Great. In fact, I always, uh, like seeing the, the old veterans, you know, at the grocery or store or something to kind of take a second look at my hat. What the hell is that? I'm like, just, do I explain to them that the meme war is almost as important as the war that they fought in? I mean, if not more important, I probably shouldn't go there. But No, you probably shouldn't. I mean, it's still important, right? I mean, we're trying to yeah. try and change hearts, hearts and minds here and kind of try to wake people up. So, But, uh, yeah, brother, thank you so much, man. Yeah, and if I could say one more thing to the audience right now, or anybody that listens to this at any time, one of the things I've always done, and, and I really recommend y'all do it as well, when you see somebody join a platform that you're on and you know who they are and you have respect for them, tell your people. And I've had people say, well, I only have like 17 followers. I don't care. Do it anyway and share people's content. It, you know, when I put something up and it gets like 55 likes and one share, I'm like, guys, come on. You know, if you like it, let other people see it. You know, and I've had stuff on Facebook you get before they shadow ban me, you get freaking a thousand likes and 20 shares. And you're like, oh, you're afraid. Right. <laughs> you're, yeah. you're afraid that they're going to come for you. You know, but when you're on these other platforms, it's not going to happen. So, like, when I saw that you guys were on there, and I, I, you know, once my following kind of came on, on on Float, I'm like, y'all need to follow Free Thought Project. You know, y'all need to follow Police to Police. And I have people come on that are, you know, doing things the way we are, and they have, you know, pretty good brands behind them. But I also see people come on that I know that are just like, this person's really cool, and they post cool pictures. And, you know, y'all should follow this person. Like, encourage the people that you're talking to to follow the people that you like. Because the network is valued primarily on the information exchange across the network. So get the conversation going. Don't just read, comment, and like, you know, connect people. Be the networker in the network. And, Jason, again, thanks for joining us today, man. Absolutely, brother. Thanks so much for having me on. That was really great. I I, I meant what I said in the beginning before I brought Jason on. It was, it was very gratifying for me to be able to have a conversation on the Survival Podcast with someone whose work I've admired for so long. And like I said, yes, disagreed. 
I've, I've called them out on some things that I consider to be over the top uh, here and there on social media, but 99% of the time we agree all the way, and like I said, we're on the same side trying to do the same thing, and this is what we were talking about today. It's less about whether you agree with someone or not, and more about do they have a right to be heard, and do you have a right to hear what they have to say? And, and I want to say something real quick here. I get called out sometimes by people say, you're censoring people. You're sen Because somebody will post some bullshit that's offensive or stupid on one of my things. And most of the time, I leave it there. A lot of times, when it's on YouTube, honest to God, I pin their comment to the top and let let the community tear at them like, like piranha at, at a horse leg on the end of a rope. Um, but sometimes I do remove that stuff. That's not censorship. That's my channel for my free speech, right? These platforms claim to be free speech. These platforms use the content of their members to build their business, and then they pick and choose who gets to be heard, and they do it arbitrarily. And the appeal process is non-existent. I, when I got slapped down recently, I said, do you, he said, do you want to appeal? I said, yes. It said, appeal submitted. I didn't get to submit any information. I never got any justification other than we don't let people say things that are in opposition to what local health authorities say for best practices. Well, that's not, that's not a policy. That's a bullshit arbitrary thing, especially when everything you're saying is well-sourced. These platforms are also built largely with taxpayer dollars. I know you think they're private companies, but we talked about it a little bit today. They're not. They get huge amounts of subsidies from government, and they work in consort with government. By reporting user activity to government, selling user data to private entities and to government organizations, Okay, by, by working in cooperation with government and taking direction from government. If they were purely private entities who paid for everything themselves and were accountable only to their shareholders... And we're not working in a fascist oligarchy and technocracy with government. I would say, yes, they can do whatever they want. But that's not the way it works. They are the bohemists they are because of cooperation with government. And that makes them subject to a different standard. And if you don't agree, that's also okay. But, gee, wouldn't it be a shame if you didn't have a way that you could put out your opinion that you didn't agree? That's all I'm saying. With that, let's go ahead and wrap things up. Let me remind you guys, you can help support the show and the work that we do just by doing your online shopping, starting from a little URL called TSPAS. That's T-S-P-A-Z-T-SPAS.com. Go there. You can find all of my recommendations for everything that I have in the TSPAS catalog. All the categories are alphabetical, so if you want to look up something on cooking or fishing or outdoor, it's all there that way. You can scroll through them and read and get suggestions. But even if you're not looking for anything that I've specifically recommended, if you just want to help us out, just start your shopping there. Today's item of the day is an item for the kitchen, and it is one of my essential items for the Homesteader Prepper Kitchen. And even though a lot of people, when you first tell them what it is, they're like, really, essential? Come on, Jack. It's the Mr. Coffee Electric Coffee Grinder. Is coffee essential? Well, I think it is. Many of y'all do. And either you have coffee and think it's essential, or you don't drink coffee and you don't. I, I'm going to tell you, you need it anyway. If you really want to be a great cook and make the most use out of spices and herbs, and whether you're growing them or procuring them by buying them, it is one of the best workhorse multitaskers in my kitchen. I use it for grinding spices and, and whole spices uh, and then things that normally people buy as powder. I don't buy as powder. I'll buy, uh, for instance, dehydrated garlic 
uh, in bulk or dehydrated onions in bulk. I do not buy onion powder or garlic powder. That is dumb. Do not do it. It, it, it doesn't last. The quality doesn't last. When I need some, I, I, I take some. I'll throw a teaspoon, if I need a teaspoon of garlic powder, a teaspoon of, of dehydrated garlic into it, a teaspoon of dehydrated onions into it, and that onion garlic powder is so... You can smell it. You can tell the difference. Um, I grind, you know, and you can grind, like, to a powder or to just crack, like mustard seed, fennel seed. I do that. Uh, dehydrated celery, I'll grind. And I'll mix that into anything from, a, you know, a seasoning that goes on food to mixing it with, let's say, black pepper and coarse salt and using it for the rim of a Bloody Mary. You see what I'm saying? It has this incredible flexibility. A lot of you guys grow a lot of different hot peppers. You can go mad scientists making your hot pepper blends. I make my own chili powder, okay, by taking whole pod chilies removing the seeds and throwing them in there and grinding my own chili powder. So if I don't want to go through the whole rehydrate the chili pepper, if I want to use the chili powder but I want it to be fr I use that. And we'll talk more about this because I am going to do that show pretty soon anyway on essential items for the prepper kitchen. But the reason I brought this around today, the, the coffee grinder, spice grinder, is the following, okay? It keeps going out of stock like everything. And I keep getting questions from people, what do I get instead? And it came back in stock. And it's on sale for like... I don't know, it's like eight bucks off or something like that. Uh, it really is an amazingly effective product for the money. They're on sale for 23 bucks today. How well thought of is it by other people other than me? It has more than 11,000 reviews on Amazon. 11,000, 87% are four and five stars. And most of the negative reviews are, well, I'll put it the way Ron White does, you can't fix stupid. The number one complaint in negative reviews, the cord's too short. Friends, let me tell you a little sad story about humanity here. You, you look at the bottom of this tool when you get it. A little cord sticks out. It's about an inch. And there's a, there's a rim with a hole in it, right? Like a, a rim all the way around the bottom. And you pull the cord and it comes out and it's about a foot and a half long. It stores inside that little rim. You kind of push it in there when you want to put it away and keep it short. I don't ever do that with mine. I just wrap it around the thing. But you, you get it. As Ron White says, stupid is forever. And there are people that will never be, or they're mad because the mailman threw it over the fence or something. I, when you look at the reviews of the actual product, 87% with 11,000 reviews, that says something. Check it out today. Again, is the Mr. Coffee, uh, electric coffee and spice grinder. And I probably grind more spice than I do coffee, even though I grind coffee with it every day. With that, let's go ahead and wrap things up. I appreciate you all being with us today. If you want to catch a live stream, Remember, the best way to do that is get on the TSP Telegram group. Just go to the survivalpodcast.com and you can click on Get Social and find all of the ways to do that. I also have links at every episode where you can do that as well. Uh, but if you get on the Telegram channel, you won't have to participate in chats and groups and lots of people back and forth unless you want to do that. Then you can get in the group. The channel, you'll just get you know announcements from me a few times a day. It's like getting text messages, but you stay completely in control. With that, it's been Jack Spirico with another edition of the Survival Podcast. They gonna bail you out or just run you around. They said you should have a house the American way. A dollar down, a dollar a month, and you never have to pay. There's a better way to do this. 